presenting Tell Tales, Dakota Folk Life and Stories, a collection of narratives of shared personal experiences of those who live on the North Dakota Plains. In this episode, we hear from citizens of the Standing Rock Nation who share insights on Lakota music and culture as part of the Densmore Repatriation Project, an effort to return recordings of stories and songs made by Francis Densmore in the Dakotas in 1911. As a part of the project, Numerous extensive interviews were conducted with tribal elders from Standing Rock. One of those interviewed was John Eagle Shield Sr., whose grandfather was one of Densmore's primary informants and singers. In this episode, he shares recollections of his grandmother talking about the death of Sitting Bull. My name is John Eagle Shield Sr., I was raised in uh, Little Eagle by uh, my grandmother. Her mother, Mary Crawler, participated in the Battle of the Little Bighorn. Mary Crawler, her name was Tashina uh, Maniwi, moving rope woman. My grandmother, she always had, had stories. She was nine years old when uh, they killed Sitting Bull, and she'd tell us about it, and then she'd cry. And then she'd remember something else, and she'd cry about that. All kinds of stories about uh, what, what went on. Some of them that you hear lately are the same things that, that I heard when I was growing up. They sent the uh, Indian police down to Sitting Bull Camp to, to arrest Sitting Bull. She knew who shot him. She knew that they used uh, a wagon tongue on his, uh, I think they broke his jawbone. And after he was dead, you know. But they sent the uh, Indian police down there to arrest him. A lot of them didn't uh, didn't agree with that. Back then, it was very prestigious to be one of the Indian policemen. After that happened, after they, they uh, killed Sitting Bull, the first one of the Indian policemen, uh, his name was Gray Eagle. He, he quit right there. He took off his jacket and his badge and he just threw it on the ground. He said he didn't want anything more to do. And then others followed him, just quit on the spot. And and she used to tell about that too. And then after that, uh, they um, they went south to Shine River, Wakapala, to Kennel, past Bullhead. Some of them went to Porcupine, some went to Cannonball. But by and large, uh, a good portion of them stayed she was born in uh, 1881, and that's the year Sitting Bull came back and surrendered. Probably not because they were starving in Canada, but uh, uh, a lot of his people were lonesome. Along the Grand River, they call that Makoche uh, Washte, the good earth. Even though they fled to Canada, a lot of them were lonesome for the that's why they came back. But he was a very uh, spiritual man, and some of the things she used to tell, this is in uh, December now, and uh, there was uh, thunder and lightning, and, and, and the ground even split open down at the camp there. 
and uh, that was a good indication that yeah he was he was very spiritual well it was a sad time she was nine years old to see all that violence but at the same time the power of setting bow like I said uh, in the winter time you know thunder and lightning came and even the earth split just away from where he fell and so it's a real powerful time so she'd remember that and uh, I don't know I was just hoping that uh, something like that would happen again that power to be felt by the people and I do believe it'll be with our our youth they were young men Sitting Bull was 34 when he was appointed the chief of the whole Ocheti Chagoni 34 years old Gaul Crow King they were war chiefs and them too they were in their 30s they were young and that's why we said today, if, if our youth knew all of this, that they could be such leaders at an early age like that, maybe that'll instill them to change. Produced in partnership with Dakota Legacy, this project is supported in part by a grant from the North Dakota Council on the Arts, which receives funding from the North Dakota State Legislature and the National Endowment for the Arts.